Hello and welcome to the All Football Podcast. I'm Josh McSwain, here with my co-host AJ Torres. We're going to talk some NFL today. A lot of interesting games in Week 3 and some teams that are already reaching for that panic button. We're going to start, though, with the most important news that's come out from this week is that the Tennessee Titans had some players and staff members test positive for COVID-19, which thus has delayed their game this weekend against the Steelers. Scheduled for Sunday, now will be either Monday or Tuesday. That's still to be determined. They were in Minnesota this past weekend, But from all indications, it looks like the Vikings have had no negative tests and their game in Houston this Sunday will go on as planned. And in other positive news, the Vikings look to reopen their facilities on Thursday. So in light of all this, AJ, do you think that this is the right course of action? You know, I'm not really sure what we kind of expected. I mean, there are bye weeks we could kind of tweak with. I know some people have thought about that. I'm not really sure if they had a plan per se. I think they're just kind of rolling with this. To my knowledge, there's only one Titans player on the, as they call it, the virus list. And as far as staff goes, I want to really know, it's difficult with HIPAA laws, but I want to know when they mean by, hey, staff got sick. What are we referring to by staff? Is it the coordinator that's up in the booth? Is it the general manager right next to him? We want to know this because up in the booth, they're, are they wearing masks? Are they not wearing masks? Was it people on the field, which is why the NFL says, please wear a mask even though we're constantly testing? It's really... I guess the first time around, you really just don't know, and you're kind of just asking for more questions and not enough answers. I can't make heads or tails with exactly what they're doing, but do I think that Monday and Tuesday is a little quick for this? I'm leaning towards yes. Yeah, that was kind of confusing for me, too. It's like one or two-day buffer zone is just going to make all of it go away. I didn't understand that. Shut down the facility until Saturday. Play on Sunday. Okay, fine. We'll play Monday. Really? Okay, Tuesday, I guess. The only thing that's on is baseball, so I think we're okay. Really? Yeah. I had seen another thing on Twitter that mentioned could move the Steelers by week to week four. Well, both the teams get the bye, and then there was a, a scenario that the Steelers and Titans could play in Week 7, and then the Ravens get their bye in Week 7, and the Steelers-Ravens game moves to Week 8, I believe. I know you mentioned finagling with those bye weeks, but you do that for more than a team or two, it's just going to become a convoluted mess. I think this thing is a mess going into it, and I think there's no way we can prevent this. However, my only thought is in the other sports, right? We're talking baseball, we're talking basketball. If you skip one game of baseball, which ends up being more of a series per se, like a series of three or four games, 
those games are made up in a double header somewhere. Mm-hmm. But a, a game in the NFL, right? Sixteen games, you skip one. How do you make up that game? And then, what happens if they decide to not play that game? Doesn't that affect playoffs or? Yeah, that could affect strength of victory and strength of schedule tiebreakers. The one well, option the could be. Name, that's definitely going to affect it. And those are, correct me if I'm wrong, but Steelers and Titans, especially with the expand playoff teams, those two have a solid chance of getting in. So that would mess up the seeding, right? Yeah, I definitely think both those teams have a good chance of representing the AFC. Sorry, bad connection. But my only thought is that if this was the Dolphins, per se, or if this was the Bengals, I'm not sure if we'd be having the same conversation. Well, then again, even if it were the Bengals and they were playing a contender like Pittsburgh, for instance, that would affect their strength of victory or something like that. The only thing I was thinking, could you tack on games at the after week 17 per se but then again if that was your plan you could have a team that had more than one game that they had to make up and it would just would be kind of crazy it wouldn't make a lot of sense yeah but you know we're just gonna see how all of it unfolds let's get into what happened in week three We had quite a few games that we disagreed on from last week. Started out strong by taking the Finns over the Jags, but then you got me on Sunday with most of them, because I know you had the Bills over the Rams, you had the Packers over the Saints, had the Titans over the Vikings. All three of them one possession games that went your way. And then we had the Bengals and Eagles tie, That's the second time in their last four (laughs) meetings that they have tied. I just remember the after the 2008 version when Donovan McNabb said, I didn't know there were ties in the NFL. It's like, dude, there's a third number in the standings. I mean, between that and the the Hayden Hurst. Yeah. Between that and the Hayden Hurst play from week two, I'm just like, do these guys really understand the game they're playing sometimes? It's crazy. Now, correct me, right, but I understand there is that false start penalty, so it's five yards back. Now, mind you, I remember Carson Wentz during that miracle year where he goes, if this kid makes it, I'm giving him my game check. And he makes it. It's 61 yards, I believe. I think this guy could have made the 64-yarder. He could have. Now, I understand he's not Harrison Butker, but I still think he could make it. Now, question. No matter what, there's only seconds in the game. You've seen how they played. But wouldn't you, as a fan, been like, you know what? Come on, let's go all in. And then we'll trust our defense for maybe three plays or so. Didn't you want to see this, the fire, possibly witness history? Or am I alone on there being like, oh, no, 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 you have to punt. I don't understand this. You're, you don't get it. You got to go for the tie here. Really? Yeah, in the moment, I was a little confused by that, too. You are right that Jake Elliott did make a 61-yard field goal in the 
2017 season. And so, yeah, maybe you could have given him an attempt at the 64-yarder, which would have tied the NFL record. I mean, Doug Peterson conceded they would not win with deciding to punt that. And with the way the Bengals had moved the ball, I probably would have been willing to roll the dice on my defense, particularly when you consider you have a pretty good pass-rushing defensive line that had been wrecking that porous Bengals offensive line during the entire fourth quarter. Yes, sir. Yep. But back to the Bills. This is a 3-0 and team, but I'm not really convinced on this group right now just because they had built an identity under Sean McDermott as defense, run the football. They gave up 28 to the Dolphins in Week 2, and they gave up 32 to the Rams. They blew a 28-3 lead. What's going on with this Bills defense? That is a good question. I'm, and if you've noticed, even the Chiefs, uh, who had a great game against the Ravens, where they left uh, Lamar Jackson underneath the hard yards passing and such, I really just think it went down to maybe these defenses just didn't watch tape on Herbie. That's all I could think of. But, I mean, Keenan Allen had a great game. If Austin almost everything catches that hook and ladder, that's a win. Great design, by the way. I think I think Herbie's just been catching two defenses sleeping back to back weeks. Just a pattern, you know. Yeah, I can see that, but I guess more pertinent to the Bills is their defense going to be a problem throughout the season and might this allow the Patriots to steal yet another division I shouldn't say steal because Patriots have dominated that division for a long time but the Bills were the prohibitive favorites so would that allow the Patriots to take another division crown I can't say that because I need to see these two teams face each other both times and granted right do I think that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick is the greatest duo of head coach and uh, quarterback? Yes. Do I think it's one of the biggest franchises? Yes. Even though it's tainted, it's kind of one of those things that's like, it's like taking steroids. The talent's there, but you're adding something that's not needed. Right. Well, I'll say this at least... There is more intrigue and some uncertainty regarding the AFC East this year, and I think even for those that aren't fans of any of the four teams in that division, that at least provides some more interest for me. Would you say the same? Yes. Definitely. So I guess back to the Eagles for just a minute here. Twitter can be fun with some outlandish statements, and during that game against Cincinnati, I was seeing people say that they need to move on from Carson Wentz and stuff like that. 
I and part of me is some crazy stuff. You're right. Yeah. I mean, I just, it's not really feasible for them to do that at this point. Correct. And I don't think it's justified at the moment, but so what would be the threshold that would make you say, okay, maybe Wentz is not the guy? Well, the injury bug has been going there for a couple of years now. And that's not just him, it's the team as well. I mean, you have two guys on your line hurt. That's a big blow for the Wentz wagon. Definitely. The team's not the same along with it. I mean, you're like, oh, hey, is it going to be Miles Sander, Boston Scott? Who is it? Nobody. The line's not showing up today for three weeks in a row. That hurts. Now, granted, it doesn't matter if you go to Twitter, you go to any social media platform, I feel like half the Eagle fans hate him and some people love him and love him thinking that, hey, this is your guy. I own a jersey to this guy's our Lord and Savior and we loved him more than Donovan McNabb. Which that's saying something. It certainly is. Let's not forget that in 2017 he was on track to be the league MVP before injuring his leg. So ACL, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think that's right. So and can then, he get? Uh, it's just a matter of can he get back to that form? I I think there's a lot of things going on now. I evaluate certain things uh, with football. It's a different category, but when I do baseball, I say, is it physically? Is it mentally? Or is it mechanically? And I think this is a combination of all three, just personally. It very well could be. One thing I noticed on a couple of times when he would run with the ball, it seemed like he would sort of lead with his right shoulder. And I'm thinking, man, that's your throwing shoulder. I mean, he's a big guy and he's aggressive, but that's just not prudent to do. I mean, just trying to get the uh, first down, maybe. Like, maybe that's because it's his dominant hand. I mean, I, we've seen guys, right? Quarterbacks, running backs. You can't hold the ball like a loaf of bread. Ask Shady McCoy. They know this. What happens? The ball pops out. It Ask does. Ask Matt Burita. Same thing. Well, it's not so much ball security as just taking all the hits to his throwing shoulder is going to land him back on the injury list. Possibly go to one of the Philadelphia Phillies and give him a sliding lesson? There's an art to that. Some people think it's crazy, but it's just like, hey, if you slide wrong, and I've seen it before, even outfielders like in baseball, if you slide wrong and you tweak your knee... What then? For sure. Sliding is not something to take for granted. Correct. Anyone can do it, but it's not simple to do. Correct. Particularly if it's uh, the weather, is, uh, it's the turf, it's the weather, then it's uh, how fast you're going, what direction. We've seen, uh, if you remember Joe Flacco, he slid and he just... Uh, 
what you get uh, bombarded by Kiko, if I remember correctly. That sounds right. Crazy. Yep. So, with all this stuff on the Eagles in mind, who do you think is the best team in the NFC East right now? The best team in the NFC East right now? Uh, man. I think it's uh, Cowboys until justified because even though the... Even though there's some people that will say, oh, yeah, well... You know, they're going to justify X, Y, Z. I just think they have the powerhouse team to do it, and I just think they need to work on a couple of things, uh, particularly defense. The Washington team is not good. The Eagles have problems, and I'm going to go against the Eagles until they show me something. And then the Giants, well, two years in a row, that season's been over before baseball playoffs started. So... It's the Cowboys leading by a mile. And if you hate the Cowboys or if you think they're incomplete, that's just sad on every team in that division. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that. Just looking at the amount of offense that the Cowboys can put up, that just gives them an advantage over everybody in that division for me. Dak is just playing so well. Topped over 400 passing yards for the second straight week. And then the other quarterback in that trio that we haven't talked about yet is Dwayne Haskins. Is he going to start feeling the heat pretty soon with his performances? I think he's, I think he's already feeling it. The fact that in a two-day span, you go up front and say, hey, uh, I need you to step it up, and I believe in him. And then next thing you know, the report goes out just being like, dude, your job's in jeopardy. Figure it out. You don't know what's going on there, man. Between fantasy football to wins to anything to Chase Young and his groin injury, we came into the year saying, top down, this place is a mess. And nothing's changing in a slow time's pace. No, nobody. Not changing over one guy being like, oh, I think we found... No. Keep it consistent for a while. Play good games. Play something competitive. Perform well. If you could actually give me some good consistency, then I'll believe you. Until not, you're on my back burner. And you'll be lucky to make my back burner. Yep. It would be something if Alex Smith were to actually come back and play this season. I think it'll be Allen, but if I see that guy just go in to take a knee, I might be in tears. I have no shame in saying that. You might see me in tears if I see AS11 go on that field. Yeah, that'd be something of a minor miracle. More than that. Yep. And just moreover, Alex Smith is such a great guy. All of his teammates that he's worked with have loved him. Patrick Mahomes attributes so much of his success to Smith. So, I mean, if there were any guy more deserving of getting a second chance like that, 
I can't think of anybody better than Smith for that. But on that I note, mean, that's career ending and such, yeah. Yeah, most of the time it is. But on that same note with Patrick Mahomes, I'm wondering if Kansas City could be a dynasty in the making. Maybe this is a little bit much of their react their win in Baltimore on Monday night, but I just watched that game and thought, who is going to stop this team? They can go up against one of the top defenses in the league and put up 500 yards like it's nothing, and they contain the league MVP on defense, just like... <clears throat> really? Just who's going to slow down the Chiefs this year? You know, as far as the dynasty goes with my team, I can't say dynasty. I'm not going to be like Tyreek Hill after that comment. I'm just like, dude, please, so help me, shut up. You get what I mean by that, right? Because yeah. everybody was saying, hey, Pet Mahomes, Super Bowl, anybody? And I'm like, shut up, don't jinx everybody. Come on, you're killing me. I never thought I'd see this as a kid because I saw all the bad signs. Having a mediocre quarterback for so long, not throwing a wide receivers, not upgrading on defense. I saw all the signs. But if there's a dynasty in the making, the payroll's an issue, one. This isn't like baseball, football, everyone wants to get paid and there's no... I mean, it's the salary cap, that's the issue. But yep. then it's just keeping everything in sync. Like, for example, uh, the defensive guys... Uh, but even so, if you draft well, you trade well, if you could get the contracts in order, the one thing you have is Mahomes in a team-friendly contract. And if you noticed, if I'm not sure how much you saw during that game, but if Andy Reid is staying for all this time, this is his play calling. Did you see the yep. shuffle pass to Sherman, the fullback? Nobody yep. saw that coming. Eric Fisher lined up in uh, the tight end spot, actually being eligible. Nobody saw him. That's just brilliant. If the play calling stays the same, it helps. Mm -hmm. It's a two-part effort. Yeah. There's a lot of elements that got to work, but can it work? I'm leaning towards half and half here. Do I think they got one this year? There's a very good chance. I'm thinking, put a gun in my head if I'm going Super Bowl, Chiefs and Seahawks. Yeah, early signs on that look promising. But yeah, the Seahawks defense concerns me, and I think there's a lot more depth in the NFC, but we'll get to that later. With Regarding the Chiefs, for me, like you mentioned... Lots of guys are going to have big contracts soon, and obviously they can only keep so many guys. they got to be able to replace through the draft. And what you mentioned with Andy Reid's interesting. I think being with Mahomes has taken his creativity to another level. Because even with a mobile guy like Donovan McNabb in Philadelphia, we didn't see this level of play calling from... Andy Reid when he was up there. 
But also the game has just changed. I mean, some people call it, oh, it's a college offense now. It's not, I don't like the term college offense, it's just advanced. For example, it's a lot of fast wide receivers, a lot of fakes, a lot of, uh, it's a lot of shotgun formation. There's not, there's not a lot of uh, the fullback being used in the NFL anymore. It's just the offense changing so much over time, and Mahomes is just more of an athletic uh, play style. You're going to see a lot more of it. I mean, you can see Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, a lot of these all-around quarterbacks who have a decent set of legs, they are going to be changing the game as we know it. Those guys, uh, the only good pocket passer I see left just the way these offenses are going. I guess you could say Aaron Rodgers, but even he could run the ball if he needs to. Yeah, Rodgers is a mobile quarterback, and I say mobile not that he's a guy that runs around a lot, but, you know, he can maneuver within the pocket, he can run the bootlegs, and all that. So, this is definitely, yeah, it's an, a new step, and... Those sort of pocket quarterbacks are sort of going out of style. Now, that said, throwing from the pocket is not. You still have to be able to win games from the pocket. Mahomes can certainly do that, but definitely looking for the varied skill set now. My thought when I watch the Chiefs is they kind of remind me of the Colts from the 2000s, just in that they can score on you in a flash. All you need to give them is just a little bit of room, and then they can just put up points really quickly. So I think they're yes. going to be a really entertaining team to watch for a long time. Correct. And that was also uh, very good on their end as well, is because do I think that was another dynasty type of team absolutely i think it was particularly with uh peyton there and salary cap isn't uh talked about subject back then like it is now because i mean back then you had peyton manning paid and that was everybody else there's a bunch of these players now some of them are prima donnas but i mean if you get a wide receiver that hits free agency i mean you got guys like keen allen making about 20 million dollars a year right Right. So if you get these big contracts, right, and let's just go with guaranteed dollars. Let's just go, let's take the Falcons. Let's go Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. The salary cap is a little under $200 million. Those two guys make about, like, what, 52 to $55 million just themselves in guaranteed money? Yeah, just about. I mean, think about it. You have a 53-man roster. And you need some free for practice squad and whatever. That mm -hmm. percentage wise, that's huge for two guys. Definitely is. So what? You got one guy making ramen noodles. You paid the guy in uh, Jersey so he could sell at the stadium. Like, what do you do? Yeah, it's just really crazy how it's become wanting to cash in and always get to the top rather than getting paid proportionate to the type of talent that you are. Because I thought, you know, 15 years ago, 
they were looking for reasonable contracts. Now it's like, getting me to the top. Yeah, I mean, remember when offensive linemen were just like, you get what you get? How do you mean? Well, I mean, I, I kind of hate to bring it up, but after the movie The Blind Side, when they're like, hey, you protect the quarterback. Joe Theismann would have a longer career if he had his offensive lineman who played that game, whatever it was. And then they're like, oh, hey, uh, hey, man, would you take three years for $25 million? And they're like, whoa, dude, I'm in. That's a lot of money. But then you look at guys like Nate Solder, and it's just like, great, buddy. You ruined it for everybody, and you can't perform. Look at what some of these offensive linemen are making. It's ridiculous. And that's going to be for every position. Jamal Adams is going to change it for the safety position. Yep. Probably will. It just makes you think. I wonder if the salary cap thing is going to remain. Because if it could be like basketball or baseball or a sport like that, I, I can't imagine. Guys wouldn't complain about their paycheck. These positions of all kinds would get paid. I think that's going to eventually be talked about. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, you see the NFL going to a soft cap or a luxury tax type model. And I, I like the way that baseball works. Uh, the way that kind of works is, let's say it's at that $200 million, right? Let's say I pay a star wide receiver $20 million. But because that's $20 million over the cap, in total I end up spending $30 million because of the cap rule. Right. I spend uh, half of what I spent over I got to pay towards the league or whatever it goes. These teams are making money. Y'all got to worry about it. Yeah, that would be a very interesting setup. And it would be really interesting because it would affect certain teams' ability to bring in free agents, like, if you have a cheap owner, then, you know, you're not going to attract the same type of talent. Bengals. And, yeah. There have been some other state teams that attracted free agents because of the state that they're in, like the Jaguars or the Dolphins. Teams, players would go to Florida because no state income every team, tax. Every team Florida, no state income tax, but then it's just like the weather. It's like it's like uh, there's some there's some of them that just have it buried in their lap, like uh, what's his name? Uh, what Brandon Flowers, the guy that did mediocre for the Giants, went to the Jaguars, and then they're like uh, went to the Reds uh, Redskins at the time. I think the Dolphins gave him a contract, and he goes, "I am in." That should be his retirement plan. Yeah, for sure. I think going to a system like that would just have s seismic changes on how the league worked. But anyway, back to Monday Night Football. I was starting to wonder, 
Is Lamar Jackson overrated? I'm going with no because we don't have a big enough sample size. And there's some people that are going to say, oh, this guy's overrated, that guy's overrated. You need a sample size. And if you're going to go off of one game or two games because if you're most people are going to bring up the playoff game against the Titans. Mm-hmm. I got to see more to it than that. Because if we go by the playoff resume, the Titans had a great team and the Chiefs another great team. So if we're going to go off of two great teams and you know, where if they prepared or where if you blame on Lamar, I don't know. I need to see more of a sample size. Now, if they had a game where it was a must-win and it's like, okay, great, you didn't pull through again, you start to question it. But right now, I'm going with no. I'm remaining neutral. Okay. People might also bring up his performance against the Chargers in the wildcard round from 2018. But, yeah, that was his rookie year. And he had been really good for the half season that he did start that year. Obviously, he was MVP last season. So, how much sample size is enough to make a judgment? That's kind of what I'm wondering right now. My thought is, with overrated, it just depends on where the consensus is that he is currently ranked. Personally, I don't put him up in the same class with the the top-of-the-line quarterbacks. He's not with Mahomes or Wilson at this point. And maybe you throw Aaron Rodgers into that truly elite category. So I I have... this year you have to. Yeah, I'd say. So I'd still have Jackson on that second tier of quarterbacks. So with that in mind, I would say that he is not overrated but I mean there's some people saying he was the best quarterback in the league some saying the best player in the league I know he was number one on that NFL 100 countdown or whatnot but but yeah I don't know if consensus opinion is that he is in that elite group it's it kind of depends on who you ask yeah, I think... Very true. I mean, my opinion right now is I think it's you got Pat, you got Russ, you got Aaron, and that's Tier 1. Tier two's a little bit bigger, but you know who they are, and that's kind of just everybody else and where you rank them. I mean, is Josh Allen in that second tier, or is he in the third tier getting up to the second tier? That is a really good question. And in then that people second... are going to throw the division in his face, and they're going to be like, oh, you play the Jets and the Dolphins twice a year. It's always hard yeah. with these rankings, and it's, I mean, for the most part, outside of the obvious stuff, it's really a two-each-their-own. Yeah, it's all really subjective. So, regarding Russell Wilson, 
I think Consensus Opinion is that he is the front-runner for MVP at this point. Would you agree with that? No doubt. Now, I hate mentioning MVP early on. My father hates it as well. I guess it just kind of goes down to uh, who played the best during the week. I mean, uh, I could say for week three, the best uh, performer was Russell Wilson, who should have had six touchdowns, but DK uh, decided to be a yo-yo and not have uh, awareness on one play, but he made up for it later on. That connection between him and Tower Lockett, it's the best. Yeah, he certainly has great chemistry with Lockett and Metcalf. I think that connection's only going to get better. Absolutely. Last year it was a work in progress. He's new to the team, new to the system. Second year now, he's being targeted uh, a lot more than he was in a regular season. Regardless of what happens, I think he's going to be part of the team for quite a while. Maybe not the longest time. But if you look at Metcalf, he, just like Mike Evans, I think that's a great comparison. Both guys slimmed down, if you remember. Yeah. Because Mike Evans used to be built like a freaking tank, and so was Metcalf. They slimmed down quite a bit, and those guys are solid. Is Mike Evans a top 10 wide receiver? Yes. Can DK Metcalf get there? Potentially he can, and he's got a great quarterback to help him do it. He certainly does. Now, I guess we're going to close out our first block by going back sort of where it began with the Bills. They had that one call at the very end, that pass interference that gave them another chance to get the winning touchdown against the Rams. Just more chaos with referees. What do you make of all that? It is what me and my father call the hometown Johnny Calls. As in, hey, you've been to a Seahawks game. Has there ever been a call that's been against the Seahawks' favor because they like Pete Carroll or Russell Wilson? Yeah, the 12th man is the ref. The Patriots, we've been seeing that for a long time and still kind of seeing it. I remember Tom Brady being like, where's the flag? I got that in New England. Sorry, Tommy. Change the location. It's just how it is. But it's always painful, particularly that one where I'm like, okay, this is for all the marbles. For all this, hey, MVP conversation that people wanted to do, him being behind Russell. I'm like, you got to make this. I'm like, nope. The next thing you know, they're like, wait, let's give him another. Pass interference. That was the dagger. Yep. I'm not convinced that there's some big conspiracy. Sometimes officials just make mistakes, though. They are human. Some of them can be... I think that was blatantly obvious, though. There wasn't like, eh, there's there's questionable calls, and that's human factor. And then there's, what are you doing, dude? You're killing me. That's fair. Of course, in the realm of bad calls, no one's ever going to forget the 2018 NFC Championship game. There was no excuse for that. Absolutely not. 
But hopefully, the officials will get it tuned up as the season goes on. Not having any preseason to test out any new rules or get back into shape can hurt them too. But does it for the refs, does it for the players. It's all hope that it becomes a well-oiled machine in the coming weeks. Now, I want to shift a little bit to the XFL. We've talked about them before. I was wondering what cities do you think will and what cities do you hope might get teams? Well, uh, I've actually been talking to a couple of people about this, and uh, I was also talking about how I said this because I have a cousin who's a retired uh, minor league hockey player. But you know how football and basketball don't have those minor leagues those other two sports do? Right. And how they're going to do a G League for basketball. I mean, we've, we've kind of mentioned just as like a conversation if the XFL and the CFL could ever be minor leagues for football. Right? Just like in the perfect image or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I know there is some recruiting out of both those leagues to NFL teams, but it's definitely not a triple-A situation. Oh, maybe not, but at the same time, there's, uh, as far as those leagues, there's always the what we call the quadruple-A player, where he's not the top league guy, but he dominates the minor leagues. As far as uh, get back on track, the cities... I mean, he captured uh, MetLife Stadium, so there's the New York, New Jersey, whichever you want to call it. I don't think there's really much in that area, but could you do a Boston team, maybe? I mean, I I don't like the the Boston crowd. We all know how that goes, but I really think that could truly work. As far as other cities on the East Coast, there's definitely a market for it. Particularly if you if you look around, right? I know how much those tickets are. And I was actually going to see the New York Guardians before COVID happened because I literally looked at it. They weren't sure what was going on. But I actually picked up the section. I'm on Ticketmaster everything. For a $300 ticket for the Giant game, the XFL was selling for about 75 bucks. That's not bad at all. Absolutely, man. You get think about it. If I buy three tickets, right, and I could go to the concession stand, I bought the same amount for one ticket to a giant game. It's amazing. It was amazing what they were putting together. I think in those other cities where everyone can't get into, let's say, the Eagle game, maybe the Raven game, I think it's just going to the market. Now, do I think that there's good locations right now? Yes. I just think that they're going to need a couple consistent years before they expand. So when they go from 8, what do you think they go? Do you think they go straight to 10? Do they jump to 12? Hmm, that is a really good question. Because there's only really three options here. It's you go to 10, you go to 12... And then you'd have to make the jump to 16, I would think. And 16 is just a huge number, a lot of money to invest. 
if you're going to pick two teams, I'm thinking it's probably Boston and probably, probably if I had to think, another place out west. Yeah, I'm try sure and keep say you could think of. keep the conferences balanced a little bit. It's probably a good plan. I was yeah. trying to think of some preliminary teams that might work for the XFL. I was thinking bringing back some of the old ones like St. Louis because they had a really raucous crowd in the dome there. So I think they'd definitely make sense. Maybe you could do some of the cities from the AAF like Orlando and Birmingham. And then I thought about Columbus, Ohio. They might there's work. Definitely, uh, there's definitely an Ohio market. Now, where if it's Columbus, Cincinnati, wherever the case may be, there's definitely a market over there. Um, also, I think there's a market somewhere else in the Midwest, like... Uh, Wisconsin or Michigan's a heavy uh, football place. It's That's a, a possibility. What, what's the good revenue and what takes the what takes this? Now I'm on the XFL site right now. I'm just clicking on this thing where it calls uh, it's, it's called Team Nine. Team Nine, with the way it was set oh, up this past right. spring, was. Basically, another team that practiced, and then if another team had an injury or something like that, they could get a guy from Team 9 to go play on their team that week. Gotcha. That was a really interesting concept. But my other cities out in west included Seattle, which already had an XFL team, San Antonio, which did really good with the Commanders and the AAF, maybe San Diego, since they're a forsaken nfl market and then maybe vegas same, same thing with nba too right forsaken i mean we got yep. dallas houston la new york which is really new jersey st louis seattle tampa dc i mean you got the main locations in good job on the xfl's part and from there it's like you got East, South, West. Now it's just a matter of, I guess you could go East, West, but then you got to go Midwest. It's got to be a little interesting with the travel scheduling, but it's there. Yeah, it certainly could, is. Could you possibly, uh, here's a good one. I just thought of this now. Now, there's a lot of people that think the Detroit team is cursed. As in, why are we forsaken as Detroit Lion fans? Is there a Detroit market? As in, hey, I, we don't like the Ford family ownership. We're tired of all these hard seasons. Maybe they could put together a solid team there, do well? That would be interesting to see. I don't know what name would be good for a Detroit, but hey, as long as you don't make it the blue and silver, just give it a solid color and logo and just be like, hey, rep Detroit. I want to see it happen. The fans deserve it over there. Yep, they certainly do. Now we're going to go down under 
and talk a little bit of AFL now. Finals are coming up starting tomorrow morning as Geelong will take on Port Adelaide in the first of the qualifying finals. This is a particular. I wonder if this should be on my network. Huh. I got to look into that. Yeah, I think these games should be found on Fox Sports, one of those networks. It's going to be an interesting matchup. Port Adelaide, they allowed the fewest points in the league this season. And a player to watch for them will be Charlie Dixon. He was a huge chunk of their offense this year. And Geelong is a high-possession team that plays defense, could slow down a guy like Dixon. Tom Hawkins is a huge chunk of their offense. He led the league with 42 goals this year. So I think this will be a really brilliant game. If someone's new to the sport, this will give them a great introduction. With the next one, the 2-3 matchup, we have Brisbane and Richmond. Brisbane's kind of been on the schneid recently. They went out in two games as the two seed last year. Latchy Neal was the league MVP, and this is a rematch because they played Richmond in the 2-3 matchup last year. Brisbane can certainly break out, but they had eight games this season where they had more behinds than goals, and just like executing in the red zone in the NFL, those extra points and maximizing your possessions make all the difference. Richmond, of course, they are the reigning champions, so everybody's going to be out to get them. But I think they're grounding into form, and they're going to be a hard out once again. Going to the elimination finals, we have West Coast, who was top four most of the year, but just barely lost out on a top four spot, so they get to face Collingwood. Good news for them is they're going to get Josh Kennedy back. He was... One of the top scorers in the league with 204 overall points. Collingwood is a team that's shown they can play with some of the big guys, but they've also lost some bad teams. They lost by 11 goals to West Coast earlier in the year, so I think that Collingwood is going to be out for some revenge and they're going to keep it close, but ultimately think, West Coast should persevere. And then finally in the 6-7 matchup, St. Kilda, Max King, and Dan Butler are two great players to watch. They are among the better scorers in the league. And Western Bulldogs, they came in, they won five of their last six games, but I just don't think they have the overall quality. Though Marcus Bontempelli, he would be a player to watch. For the Bulldogs. <clears throat> All right, sweet. Yep. Now going across the pond, had some really interesting action in European football this weekend. Going to open up with Manchester United. They were outplayed badly over the weekend against Brighton, but they still won. There are definitely some things with the team that need to be fixed. 
I mean, is that, is that a lack of scoring thing? Is that a defensive thing? With them, it's the deficiency has been more on the defensive end. Brighton had more than twice the amount of shots that United did. And if you just looked at the game without the uniforms, without a score line, you would have thought that Brighton was the better team because they controlled the ball a lot more and obviously they generated a lot more shots. I think they had eight corners to United's one, if I remember right. Just Brighton couldn't maximize their opportunities. They hit the post a few times. And in the end, United managed to get it done. And a win's a win, even if it's ugly. I mean, it's but, definitely ugly. I mean, every, every time you hit the post, I mean, when people say almost, the best way I could think about it is this. If less than a quarter of an inch from the cleat to the football, that's the difference between a goal and it not counting. Yes, certainly. So when you say almost, as in you got the worst luck possible and you had a terrible loss, this one will keep you up at night. Terrible. Definitely. And there were some other surprising results in Europe. Manchester City... Got beat 5-2 by Leicester City. And then reigning Champions League winner Bayern Munich upended by Hoffenheim 4-1. And then on Monday we finally got to Liverpool and Arsenal. And Liverpool put on the master class that I think most people were expecting. They got down 1-0 but then just absolutely stifled Arsenal and came away with a 3-1 win. And they join Everton and Leicester as the only teams with nine points through three matches. So it should be very interesting to see how this season unfolds in England. But it is a long season. And it will be very interesting to see. So now, we're going to wrap this show up as we do. Looking ahead to the next week in the NFL, we begin week number four with Thursday night football with the 0-3 Broncos heading to take on the 0-3 Jets. Ooh. You know, I actually kind of find it very brutal that in four weeks of football, there's going to be three different starting quarterbacks for the Broncos. Now, even though they have 10 people injured right now, I don't think there's anybody hurt for the Jets. It's just no Adams due to trade, and then there's uh, no Mosley because uh, he opted out. So, essentially, gang's all here outside a couple of banged-up wide receivers, but they've been making up for it. I, I don't know. Should I flip a coin on this one, Josh? That might be about as good of a decision-making mechanism for this game as any. I've gone back and forth on this game. My initial thought was the Broncos because even though they're not good, at least they compete. But I have 
ultimately changed my mind, and I'm going to roll with the Jets just because you have the Broncos going back to the East Coast on a short week. You're going to have Brett Rippian starting at quarterback against a Greg Williams defense. I think Williams will have just enough to allow Sam Darnold to put up 17 points, which is probably all you're going to need to win this game. My only thought is, is that if we go on the defensive side, right, Sam Darnold's not allowed to audible. And even without Von Miller there, that's still a defense to run with. I mean, the Jets' defense has been uh, the offense, the defensive front. I think it's been disappointing. If we go by what's better, the only thing that's really been better is Denver has better kick, and that's about it. Yeah. I'll go Denver, and either way, this is a bad taste in my mouth. I am not watching Thursday night. I've been doing sports coverage. I've been doing writing. I've been on the grind all week. Tomorrow, because of a piss-poor Thursday night football game, I'm taking the night off. I don't think anyone's going to fault you for that. I mean, heck, last night I was watching baseball instead of uh, watching politics, unfortunately, like everybody else. Everyone said, wait, you were working? I'm like, yeah. They're like, wow, I'm kind of jealous. I won. <laughs> yep. You're winning like Charlie Sheen. Oh, yeah. So uh, next game, I'm just, uh, I got NFL.com and schedules opened up. This should be an easy one. After a hard loss, what would be better than what should be a clear, easy win, Ravens versus Washington? Are we agreed with that? Yeah, Ravens all day. There's, I think there's one in a hundred chance that Washington wins this. But just that defense alone, I feel bad for Dwayne Haskins saying that his job's in jeopardy because usually you say that when it should be a win. As mm-hmm. of next week, this should be an okay team to win against. No, because the defense, as far as I'm concerned, they were up against the best play calling in the NFL, if not one of them. The Washington team is facing what I think is the best defensive front seven in all the NFL. This is a Ravens game. Next, we got Chargers Bucks. Josh, elaborate for me. Yeah. Once again, we have Chargers going to the East Coast to take on Brady and the gang down there. The Buccaneers seem to have hit their stride over the past couple weeks, and I think we all knew it was going to take a little bit of time for them to all gel a little bit. And you got a Tampa Bay defense that can really get after the quarterback with Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett leading the charge. So I think they're going to get after Justin Herbert, and I think Buccaneers take it. I think the Buccaneers take it, and this is straight up just simply because of the injuries to the Chargers defense that are crucial. We got Ingram, we got Derwin James, of course. I think we got one other that could be wrong. But the injuries on defense and the defensive charge against the Chargers offensive line that 
if anything needs to be done to this team, that O-line is what needs work. That's literally it. Offensive weapons are there. Defense is there as long as they're healthy. That offensive line for two years in a row, possibly three, needs work. I'm going Bucks all the way. Gotcha. Moving on to our next game, the Colts at the Bears. Ooh, tough one. Uh, the Bears got they got fortunate with last week. The defense slept, of course. I'm not going to get into the Falcons. I just say to all the Falcon fans at the Worst Take Network, there's a good amount of them. I know there's at least five over there, If I, I think. My sympathies... For this one, I'm just going Colts because I don't care if it's Fultz. I don't care if it's Mitch. I like the Colts defense, and uh, we'll go from that. Yeah, that's fair. I realized of the five teams that these two teams have beaten, they have no wins. Not a one. Yeah. Just, Just so weird to think about, but... Yeah. The incredibly fortunate start for the Bears that I've seen. I think it ends. And the Colts... Actually, I should correct myself. They have one win between them now because Detroit did win uh, at Arizona this past week. But That was a good game, too. We are both wrong on that one. We thought Kyle was going to run over them. Yep. Goes to show you never know with this league, but... Yeah, looking at the rest of it, you have Colts who've taken down the Vikings and the hapless Jets. Then you have the Bears who beat Atlanta last week, the Giants the week before that, and then the one-win Lions. So, yeah. One win out of the, f- out of the opponents right. of their five victories. Not totally impressed with, with them, but gotcha. yeah. So, we're agreeing. next game that I have on my list, and yes, we agreed on that. Now, Seahawks-Dolphins, that's Seahawks. That doesn't need to be debated at all, right? No, it does not. I, I, that's an easy one. Now, I wanted to get into your Texans, man, because I've had a lot of hard years as a Chiefs fan before uh, Andy Reid, who I've liked ever since I was a kid, came aboard with Alex Smith. We have 0-3 Vikings at your 0-3 Texans. So, tell me, brother, what's going on here? Run your mind. Vent for me. I'm all ready to hear this. So, let's go. The good, bad, the ugly, everything else in between. Well, to start with, I didn't anticipate the Texans would win either of their first two games. I just thought the Chiefs and Ravens are just had more talent and I thought they would be more cohesive at this point in time than the Texans would be so the 0-2 start didn't shock me I was really expecting some more out of them from their game against Pittsburgh this past week they had the lead but then they just couldn't finish it off Watson just didn't make plays down the stretch and Steelers are certainly a good team I'm not trying to take credit Absolutely. away from them. I knew Some it would be. T- hurt too. That one uh, Claypool that really hurt. 
Definitely. It was fourth down, Claypool's going, and then it's just like, hey, spotted in the 10-yard line. Yeah. Good game, I'm, just harsh. Definitely is, but I don't like getting on to officials for stuff like that. I mean, officials are just part of the game. They mess up, sure, but, like, all the blaming on the refs, it just doesn't do anything. So, you just got to move on to what's next, and, you know, I hope that Texans receivers will all stay healthy and that they'll be able to mount an attack against a very young and inexperienced Vikings secondary that has really given up a lot of yards through the air so far, I think there's going to be a chance for some plays. Now, of course, the defensive end of the Texans is really concerning because we got good inside linebackers with McKinney and Cunningham just are able to generate any pass rush other than what we see out of Watt. That's really a huge question, and we saw Kirk Cousins be able to unleash a couple of deep balls against the Titans. So I'm thinking that we're going to have a pretty high-scoring game in Houston, and I think, think the so, Texans huh? are going to prevail in this one. You're going to hate me, and this is another one where – there's going to be so many games out at 1 o'clock, I'm not sure if I'm going to be switching on and off to this one because we'll, one will be that we'll flip-flop depending on fantasy players, this and that. we got three going at the same time. The only reason I give the Vikings a little bit of an edge, Dalvin Cook has proven himself to be a uh, top-five running back. Just edging the top-five right now. The Texans have had trouble stopping the run. That's all I got. Now, if this is Monday night, Sunday night, a primetime game, I'm giving this to the Texans all the way. But because that they're having trouble stopping the run, all Kirk has to do is hand the ball off. Off tackle, middle, wherever, wherever he does it, the running game is going to be the biggest factor in here for the Texans. I think the Vikings win it. Maybe it's probably by a field goal or so. Yeah, should probably be a close game one way or the other. Moving on to another interesting matchup. We got the Jaguars going to Cincinnati. Oh, boy. Yeah, these are two teams that are kind of gaining their footing with young quarterbacks. How do you see this one going? Another tank job festival? <laughs> I'm kidding. It might. <laughs> don't don't, uh, don't uh, rag me on that one. Uh, I won't go to Tankathon or anything just yet. Uh, <laughs> I know. I uh, got a lot of bad jokes. Uh, this one's got to be interesting. I think it's, once again, going to depend on the defense. I'm just going to go uh, I'm going to go Burrow because there's already a good enough tape on Minshew and like I said I think it's going to be uh, the difference is going to be small 
I give the Bengals just a slight upper hand here. Just simply because they have to pick one. This one's difficult. Yeah, I'm leaning the other way. I'm going to go with the Jaguars in a mini upset. That's but, that's fair, and I think these teams are so incomplete, I think it's impossible for an upset. Yeah, I imagine the Bengals will probably be favored because they're at home. I just think after a really so, draining uh, game. I got, I got at Bengals. Yeah, I just think after a draining game, like what they played in Philly, and you're going to have the Jags on a little bit longer of a rest because they played Thursday, I think it's just just a little bit to give the Jags that little boost to come out with the W. Next game up, we got the 2-1 and one Browns going to Dallas. Uh, well, I think me and you are kind of thinking about the Cowboys in the same similar way. We're going to say yes, the Cowboys, but holding our breath because we know what some of the fans are going to say. That sound about right? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, Dak has been playing great. He's just been getting outplayed, and we'll see how the defense holds. I mean, the Browns are prone to mistakes. Uh, who knows? This might could be another uh, high score. Yeah, he certainly got a lot of firepower on that Cleveland offense with Absolutely. Beckham and Landry and Austin Hooper. So, A great run back duo to boot. Oh, yeah. Kareem Hunt has really come on this year, and we all know how good Nick Chubb is. Yeah. So, I wouldn't count Cleveland out in this one, but yeah, I'm still thinking Absolutely not. Dak is going to get it done in the end. Now still, we go... For a cursed team being 2-2, two and two, there's no complaints there about Cleveland. Well, they'd be 2-2 two and two with a loss. With a win, they'd go to 3-1. and one. Yeah. Could be even more interesting. I'm just saying, either way, good start for Cleveland so far. No complaints there. Certainly not. Next matchup we're looking at is going to be the Saints going to Detroit. All right. Uh, I think the because the Saints are going to be more high scoring, I mean, I'm a little concerned about their defense, but it was Aaron Rodgers last week. Right. Uh, not sure about the traveling arrangements. I'm not sure if they stayed in the Midwest or if they went back south. Uh, just because of the way the Lions' defense operates, I'm going Saints. Yeah, I'm also going Saints. I think there's a pretty good chance that Mike Thomas is going to play this week. So, with that in mind, give me New Orleans. Now we have Steelers-Titans, which will be played at some point after Sunday. I'm going to go with the Titans, though this is another game I went back and forth on. This is another coin flip game for sure. Uh, 
I'm just trying to wrap my head around this guy. Uh... Dang, man. You know, hmm. I'm going to go Steelers, and that's me just flipping a coin right now. <laughs> I mean, I have no idea about the uh, COVID factors and such, but uh, about the uh, facility shutdown in uh, Tennessee, uh, just the stress. Uh, if we go by the mental and human factor, that's why I'm going uh, Pittsburgh. Just such a hard game to choose from. Yeah, it certainly is. Really difficult game. You look at it, the Titans are 3-0, and and they've won their three games by a total of six points. Yes. And then on the other side, you've got the Steelers, who were 3-0, and and they beat the Giants, who are 0-3. <clears throat> beat the Broncos, the who are... can't even count. <laughs> yeah. They beat the Broncos, who were also... 0-3, and now the Texans, who are also 0-3, and, and I was looking at A.J. Brown, he might have a chance to play with all of the delays in his knee being hurt, and... We'll have to see later in the week if he actually is able to get out there. If he's not, it would be pretty significant loss for them. This might be one of those games where it just falls on Derrick Henry and he just gets the job done. Yeah, but you are correct. It's a very, very tough game to pick. One of those 51-49 to 49 decisions. But I'm moving. also concerned about that Jaguar game, too, because, I mean, that was one that the Jags could have won, but Tannehill just came up at the last minute. It's also unique because I'm seeing very similar offenses. Yep, that is true. Moving on to our next contest, we got the Cardinals going to Carolina to take on the Panthers. Hmm. You go first. Yeah. I'm going with the Cardinals. Any reason in particular? I think they're just going to be mad after last week, and I just think they're more talented overall. And no Christian McCaffrey for the Panthers. I know they won in L.A. last week, but I just don't know if they're going to be able to really put much consistency together without their best player. I'm going Cardinals too, and uh, even without McCaffrey, if you look at the other side of the ball, Andy Isabel that a lot of people never paid Yeah, Andy Isabel had a great game. I lost connection. Sorry about that. I lost connection for a moment. Um, well, as I was saying before, is if you look at what the Cardinals have, 
Isabella, you never really heard of him before. And he ended up scoring two touchdowns. Hopkins is making his case for best wide receiver in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Can you stop him? I don't know. They got a defense that's young. They still don't have that defensive leader, I think, on that team. He's still figuring itself out. And the Cardinals is not an offense you want to figure it out against. So Definitely not. That this defense is still trying to figure it out. It's young and giving up a lot of points. I'm going Cardinals. Yep. Next game we're probably not going to need a lot of discussion on. Giants going to take on the Rams. Rams. I think I remember a couple of years ago the game score this, uh, although it was Rams at New York, I think it was like 57-10. to 10. Something crazy like that. The Giant players were basically given up in the third and fourth quarter. I had I had golf on my uh, FanDuel team that won a couple of bucks. I see something similar here. Uh, strong Rams team against uh, the bottom-feeding New York Giants. I'm just trying to be a comedy to take up space because these teams need some light. Rams all the way. Yep. Now we got a couple pretty interesting AFC East versus AFC West tilts. Going to start with Buffalo going to Vegas to take on the Raiders. Another interesting one. I'm going to go Bills, and I think this is going to be a clean finish. I don't think this is going to be, eh, the last-minute P.I. penalty. I think this one's going to be a cleaner one. Yep, I'm going with the Bills as well. I know the Raiders had their Vegas magic in Week 2 against the Saints. I don't think it comes back for this one. Now we got the Patriots going to Kansas City to take on your Chiefs. My team also has a little bit of a hard ability stopping the run. And even though the Patriots will never be on the charts of saying, oh, if you look at the depth chart in the running game, you're never going to say, oh, these guys got the best because none of them consistently play. Like, it's like, hey, James White has something in him. Rex Burke has something in him. Sony Michelle could be a uh, top back, but they don't get that consistency playing time. You add that backfield in Cam, and I'm, I'm worried a little bit, and I can't lie to you. I yeah. think it's really going to go down to uh, the secondary and how Cam throws. At least it's not in Foxborough. It's in uh, Arrowhead. I've been waiting to see that for a while. Uh, I'm going to go Chiefs by by uh, six. Yeah, that's a fairly sensible prediction. I'm thinking Chiefs as well. You are right in saying that Cam Newton adds that extra wrinkle and that they're going to try and run the ball and keep 
Mahomes on the sideline. Just shorten the game and hope their defense can hold out. But in the end... That team knows how to eat the clock, too. Yep. The other thing Belichick does is he takes away the other team's best offensive threat and makes the other guys beat them. So even if he takes Kelsey out of the game... Chiefs have so many other receivers that can get the job done. Absolutely. Because, uh, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's Robinson, Hardman, those guys that never get the uh, look. So, Watkins, you never know out of him. Once in a while, you get a good game out of him. And you can't double-team anybody on that team. If you go four wide receivers, wide receivers and a tight end, still hard because Mahomes could run. There's so much that it takes to go against that offense. Certainly. Although you can bet Belichick has been studying the film of the Week 2 game against the Chargers and trying to think, okay, what do they do and how can we emulate it? (laughs) We'll see. uh, Pass rush to start. I mean, that was was really giving them trouble the whole game and just... uh, if there was one thing that uh, I think would be a weakness to that team is that if you go man-to-man instead of playing zone, if the guy runs a bad route, he's done. Mm-hmm. Now for a Sunday night game, we have one that looked like it was probably going to be a better contest when the schedule came out. We got the Eagles going to San Francisco to take on the 49ers. Both of these teams are incredibly banged up. Who do you got coming out with the W in this one? I'm not going Eagles until they win a game, so Niners. Yeah, this was another game I kind of went back and forth on. I thought maybe Doug Peterson finally gets through to his team and they pull it out. But even with the massive losses along their defensive line for the 49ers and maybe no Jimmy G, I still think San Fran pulls it out because, like you said, just the confidence in Philly just is not there for me. I could see Philly winning this game, but I'm going to agree with you and go with the Niners. And then finally, we have Monday night between the Falcons and the Packers. Not sure there needs to be a lot said for this one. Give me Green Bay. Yeah. I mean, Falcons versus a explosive offense. Uh, Falcon fans, I'm not sure if there's anything to look forward to this week. Uh, I feel terrible. I feel sorry to say. I think this team should be 2-2. Two and two. Because, well, I mean, that being, they're not going to win this week. It's nothing about the offense. The offense is great. It's just that defensive side of the ball, even though they made upgrades, it it needs work. The defensive back core 
need some adjustments. They need a fire lit underneath them. They need something. If you're a Falcons fan, this might be unwatchable. If you're a Packers fan, you're over the moon. Yep. Have any Packers on your fantasy team? Start them this week. A little hard deciding between uh, Scantley and Lazard, but yeah. The consistency factor, if you know what I mean. Right. Well, both of them should probably get some looks. had five targets, uh, one catch for like five yards. I mean, that's a donut. Lazard, however, that was a sleeper. Yep. Not anymore, though. (laughs) All right. Well, that wraps it up for this week on the All Football Podcast. We will see you again next week to recap all of the action.